This is Tom Reaney, host of Jazz on the Mode, and my guest today is Eli Neuberger, the tuba player, keyboardist, and leader of Eli and the Hot Six. Dr. Neuberger also has a distinguished career in medicine, which we'll talk about, but he's playing at the... um, at the uh, 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 Barrington Playhouse in Pittsfield on Monday evening in a program called Swingin' Gershwin. And it's our pleasure to welcome Eli Neuberger with us uh, today for uh, for this podcast edition of Jazz on the Mode on New England Public Radio. Welcome, Eli. Well, thank you, Tom. Nice to have you with us today. And um, uh, you've worn a lot of hats in uh, in your lifetime, in your career. I know in medicine, in uh, uh, pediatrics, and psychology, and in music. And of course, it's music that uh, that's of interest to us today, as you'll be uh, leading the Hot Six on on Monday at the Barrington Playhouse. Uh, tell me about the Hot Six. Well, the band was formed around the singer whom we'll be playing with on Monday night, Rebecca Sullivan, in the following curious way. I was involved in the early 90s in setting up at New England Conservatory a mentoring program where members of the boards of the conservatory could volunteer to be available to um, conservatory undergraduates and graduate students. And it's worked out really well. I mean, some people really get involved in their mentees' lives if the mentees want it and really become friends and do more than orient them to life in Boston and so forth. And, and you know, please understand, most of these are very independent uh, emerging artists. Um, and for the first time in the last decade, I was assigned students in the... Uh, jazz programs, contemporary improvisation, trombone, reeds, voice, guitar. And on this occasion, now three years ago, I was assigned a um, a graduate student to mentor in uh, Dominique Eads' studio, who was also studying contemporary improvisation. And anyway, Rebecca Sullivan and I just met. Carolyn and I went to lunch with her near the conservatory and got to talking and found out that she played, that she sang old uh, jazz songs as well as contemporary stuff. And I, you know, asked her what sort of thing. And she said, well, do you ever hear of Duke Ellington's Squeeze Me, But Please Don't Tease Me? And I said, yeah, I know (laughs) that wonderful song. (laughs) And anyway, we got to talking, and I said, you know, you got to come out and listen to this band. And at the time, Jimmy Mazzy, Bob Winter, Ted Kesher, Jeff Guthrie, and I had this little study at the uh, Sherborne Inn in Sherborne, Mass. And Rebecca came out, sat in with us for a few tunes, and it was like a marriage made in heaven, you know, the... The rest of us are kind of at a different generational level. <laughs> She's young enough to be our daughter and one or two of the guys' granddaughters. But, you know, it was just fantastic working with her. And so what Carolyn and I decided, my wife Carolyn is an artist and mm-hmm. will be playing a washboard feature at the <laughs> at the Pittsfield concert on Monday night. Um, another interesting story 
Um, but we decided to spring for a recording engineer for these um, sessions of the first Thursday of the month in the interval December 1913 to June 1914, I guess it was. Of, co- of course you mean 2013 and 14, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, do I date myself? <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> right. And so anyway, that's that's how the band took form, and basically what happened, Bo Winokur was available to to come and play, um, you know, a great trumpet player who I've known for years, mm-hmm. and a friend of these guys, and, um, and then one night, um, Herb Gardner moved to the Boston area from New York, and, uh, you know, he just came in, sat at the bar, and I said, you have your trombone. So Herb, Herb walked in, and all of a sudden, we had this you know, six-piece uh, band plus me, and um, and and a fabulous backup for um, Rebecca. And you know, my thought was, you know, the music was so good, it would be really great for her and her career, maybe to you know get some YouTube videos and nice recordings, and and maybe possibly um, assemble a CD. So we did both and. The um, CD came out, I guess, in March, and then you know we did a release party in um, in Scullers Jazz Club in Boston, mm-hmm. sold that out, which was great. Mm. And um, and and anyway, the the other thing was that we had done a couple of gigs last summer in late August for Barrington Stage in their little cabaret series. We did a Louis Armstrong tribute and then a Gershwin evening, and both of those sold out. So the president, Julianne Boyd, called and asked if we'd be interested to do it again in in the main stage. So, you know, we said we're cool with that and worked out a deal, and here we are. Oh, that's great. And Monday night's program will be uh, devoted to George Gershwin's music? Yeah, it's not going to be all Gershwin. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to go into some of Gershwin's um, influences, uh, klezmer, ragtime, Mm. um, traditional jazz. You know, he had big ears and, you know, a unique um, sensibility, particularly with regard to harmony. And there are lots of interesting stories about where he got his material, and he was, you know, very, you know, what's the word... Resourceful in borrowing, um, and you know, from classics and ragtime and everywhere else. I mean, there's some fascinating stories, like you know, the the um, the song "You Can't Take That Away from Me." Uh, just to give you one example of his whatever the word is, veracity. <laughs> uh, it's not exploitative, but he was just very resourceful. He and his brother Ira were sitting around one day looking for tune material and. And uh, Gershwin said, well, gee, you know, maybe we could do something with Beethoven's fourth. Uh, the, be- the, the, you know, the theme from Beethoven's fifth. <laughs> da, 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 da. Sure. Da, 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 da. And um, so, you know, the thing, da, 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 da. And Iris said, well, why don't you turn it around? And Gershwin said, you know, what do you mean? Da, 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 da. Yeah, and Iris says, you know, maybe jazz it up a, a little bit like da, 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 da. Like they can't take that away from me. Isn't that great? <laughs> I can that, hear it. I can hear it, man. And I, I didn't know that until now. 
Yeah, and then there's another uh, very curious thing. There's a, a kind of uh, Jewish holiday prayer that goes, Baruch HaTorinai, Baruch HaTorinai, Le'olam, Va'ed, da-da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, and then it repeats on and on. But like I got rhythm? Is, it ain't necessarily oh. so. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they, so there's another, and then summertime really derives from New Orleans blues. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we're going to tie together some of those little strands, and um, and you know, I mean, the whole thing is platforms for improvisation. And Rebecca, the singer, is a stunning improviser. She's fantastic on her feet. <laughs> she she really works like another horn in the band. You know, Trades Forest is great on ensembles. Um, and so Gershwin is just fantastic stuff for her, and it's so emotionally deep that mm-hmm. uh, it really uh, works for this kind of music, where so, your heart is on your sleeve, like traditional inspired jazz. So you're speaking of Rebecca Sullivan, and uh, is she an NEC grad? Yes, she got yeah. her master's um, last June, and um, is... Um, trying to make it in New York and it's a you know mm-hmm. challenging situation for young artists but she'll make a go of it I have no doubt and, and fortunately is willing to come up and gig with us on occasion mm-hmm. well I'm always impressed to hear an instrumentalist extolling a singer so thank you for the word on Rebecca Sullivan and um, you know I was introduced to her on this recording by uh, the Hot Six, uh, singing Honeysuckle Rose and scatting on Perdido, and she sings Just Squeeze Me on this as well. Yeah. So. You know, the Perdido, it, you know, all of this stuff, I mean, this this was unrehearsed. I mean, it was a series of sessions, and we gradually got to know one another, but, you know, you know that, that ending riff on Perdido that goes, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
And then it went on a bit. Then Bob did this, you know, fantastic uh, sort of fat swallower avocation. He's really so fluent in doing this sort of thing. And then we sort of did it again, you know. And so it's got this, um, it's it's deconstructed, but it's also airy and light. We're so often honeysuckle roses, especially by you know, Dixieland bands, you know, people hit you over the head with it. And, <laughs> and and this doesn't work that way at all. I mean, it it really has a lovely textured quality. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a real modernist uh, kind of feel to uh, some of these arrangements and performances and between Bob Winter and, um, and Bo Winokur and and, um, and Ted, uh, Kasher, Ted Kasher, of course, yeah, yeah. clarinetist and tenor saxophonist, uh, uh, you know, players who really cover the breadth of uh, of jazz styles and more in the uh, in the Hot Six. You are a tuba player. How did you come to the tuba, and how did you decide to stay with it? Well, virtually every tuba player has the same story. That is, you don't find the tuba, the tuba finds you. So with me, I was playing the bass drum in the elementary school band at the age of 10. And the elementary school band director was assigned from the local high school to cover this one elementary school. Now, this is in the post-World War period, World War period in um, New York State, and virtually every school, in keeping with the sort of the inspiration of John Dewey in the in that book, The Aims of Education, you know, the notion that education should be enriched by artistic and other uh, sources, which wouldn't traditionally been included in the 3R curriculum. So the guy <laughs> says to me, he says, and I didn't know his, his ultimate agenda, he said, you know, Eli, we got a tuba in the, in the closet. How'd you like to try to play it? I said, sure. Not knowing that this guy really was looking for sturdy boys who could, <laughs> a few years later, carry the sousaphone in the, in the football band. Sure. And so that's how I found the tuba, and, um, you know, just fell in love with the instrument. Mm-hmm. And when then I was 13, I was invited to play the school sousaphone in the local semi-pro symphony orchestra. This was also in a time when towns like Mount Vernon, you know, a suburb of New York City, had their own symphony orchestra with like a eight concert season and mm-hmm. they they'd bring up like Isaac Stern and <laughs> Claudio Arau I oh. mean you know frontline classical soloists to come in on a Friday do a uh, dress rehearsal and then play a concert on Saturday night so it was really fantastic for me and then when I got to the high school the guy that started me on the tuba you know he'd been my teacher in the summer band camp I really didn't have much lessons I played the piano so I could read and um, the guy said to me one day, he said, you know, Eli, I'm a French horn player, and I've taught you really everything I can. You ought to get some good instruction. Why don't you call this guy in in New York? He's reputed to be a generous man. I don't, I don't know him. And I said, well, who's that? And he says, well, it's William Bell, and he plays with the New York Philharmonic. But don't let that bother you. Just, you know, call, call the Philharmonic and ask for Bell's number and ask if he'd teach you. Well, I, I went and, you know, I, I called him. And he said, well, come on down, kid, and and play for me. So I took my sousaphone down to Grand Central Station, walked up to his studio on West 48th Street, and lo and behold, it wasn't just Bell. He had this walk-up studio on 
you, you know, between uh, between Sixth uh, and Seventh Avenue on in New York on Forty Eighth Street back in the uh, late fifties and through the sixties was this music alley with sure. mm-hmm. you know Sam Ash and Manny's and mm-hmm. all these manuscript stores and a lot of musicians had studios when you know they when they weren't playing in the in the Philharmonic or the Opera, which at that time was very close by, Radio City Music Hall, the Broadway shows, they'd hang out. And here were the tuba players from the area in this afternoon hang. Um, and so I, you know, I had my sister phone, and he said, well, nice to meet you, kid. Sit down and play this. And he opened up the trombone R-band book. Um, and, uh, you know, I played what, it, what he put in front of me, and he said, well, you know, that's great. He said, I'll... I'll teach you. He said, you know, come down and it'll be $5 an hour. But there's one thing he said, you can't play that sousaphone. He said, you've got to play an upright instrument and it's got to be pitched in C and it's got to have four valves. And I said, you know, Mr. Bell, there's no way that my family could afford such an instrument. And I know the school can't get one, but I do really appreciate your, you know, listening to me play and offering to teach me. He said, he said, no, no, no. He said, next week, he said, just bring a mouthpiece and I'll lend you one of mine. Mm. And for four, for three years, three mm. and a half years, he lent me a um, terrific four-valve C instrument. So I went from the B-flat sousaphone three-valve instrument to a four-valve upright instrument. And he taught me for four bucks an hour, for five bucks an hour. I mean, it was just it was ridiculous, really, and I was making money, you know, playing gigs on the piano, and and so I could pay for it. And um, he just was the most generous man, and to reciprocate his interest, I practiced and I learned to breathe the way I was supposed to. And so, by the time I, you know, graduated from high school, I was pretty much playing at a at a professional level. It didn't matter to him that I wasn't going to become a full time tuba player. He just thought I had some talent, and mm-hmm. we took to one another, and it was terrific. Now, does the tuba store of the New York Philharmonic have any qualms with Dixieland? Uh, interestingly, no. <laughs> Bell ran away from home, joined the circus in the early 20th century in Iowa, played with um, the Sousa Band uh, for many years, um, was then recruited to the Cincinnati Symphony, but always had a feel for music that wasn't straight classical. He organized a uh, sort of uh, German umpa band and had his own show. There are wonderful pictures of them in Lederhosen and playing all sorts of party <laughs> gigs. So, and then also the other thing is he, if he was busy when I when I um, came to my um, to my lessons, he would park me in a little studio or a little closet kind of thing, um, one floor up in this walk-up where he had a studio, and he said, I'll come get you when I'm, when I'm free. So I would just sort of like sit there and improvise whatever, and, and one day I was just playing jazz licks, and when he came, he said, wow, Eli, he said, that's good stuff you're doing. So I had nothing but encouragement from him. Nice. Now, Simpson... I think it would be out of the time uh, range, but uh, you're just reminding me with Cincinnati Symphony that Gunther Schuller played French horn with the symphony when he was uh, a very young man. Oh, I think he got his first big 
job at the Metropolitan Opera when he was like 17. Right. I mean, it was really amazing. I mean, Gunther was, uh, you know, a total instrumental phenom, as well as a guy with incredible ears and also a sensibility about jazz. I mean, I sure. didn't say, mm-hmm. you know, his writing is is organizing, his dedication to the works of Mingus Ellington. Sure. I mean, he's mm-hmm. an extraordinary character. Plus, you know, the ragtime ensemble that Bo Winokur played with at the, right. at the White House, you know. I mean, it was amazing. Right, but I think he grew up in Cincinnati and that his father was with the uh, Cincinnati uh, Symphony, and um, I just wonder if he had any connection with Bell or, uh, you know. Anyway, that's another story altogether. Yeah. But um, but speaking of, you know, players with, as you've said, you know, the Catholic tastes of classical jazz, Mingus, the third stream, as Gunther uh, himself uh, coined yes. it. Uh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful character. Uh, oh, yeah. Gunther. Yeah. In fact, I, I, I went to um, his 80th birthday party at um, at the Regatta Bar. Well, I mean, it was one of many cele- celebrations, and uh, the wonderful pianist Donald Fox was oh, playing, yeah. mm-hmm. a disciple of Gunther's, who also melded in his, in his style, you know, Bach and classics, and, you know, it's kind of become his thing. Um, right, very much, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, I've just admired him. So, um, over the years, and he's also sort of encouraged my, my writing on jazz, you know, that, that I started when I was an undergraduate music mm-hmm. theory major. Mm-hmm. He's going to receive the McDowell Medal in August from the McDowell yes, Colony in New Hampshire, which is a nice honor now in his 85th year. And, and, with, and with more commissions than he can possibly <laughs> finish, he says. It's just astounding. Yeah. Well, um... You know, I have to say, Eli, that for the moment, I'm sort of pressed for time here and a little demand on our studio uh, in the midst of a flurry of things going on here at New England Public Radio. I, I, but well, um, Tom, you're generous to talk to me at all, so thanks for hearing me rattle on. Oh, <laughs> believe me, it's my pleasure, and I'd, I'd love to continue uh, this. Um, uh, I'm so tied here uh, to our fundraising uh, next week that I'm going to miss your concert in Pittsfield, but um, certainly encourage listeners to uh, to go on out and hear the Swing and Gershwin show Monday night at the um, uh, Barrington Stage Company in Pittsfield, and uh, of course to stay tuned for Jazz All the Mode for more of Eli Newberger's music and the hot sex and there's so much more to explore Eli but um, for the moment um, uh, I'm going to wish you a good day and uh, thanks for spending some time with us today and very best wishes for Monday night's uh, concert and hope to see you in the Berkshires one of these days I know. Oh we'll do it Tom we're moving there we're moving there full time. Terrific and I understand we have some friends in common and maybe some of my in-laws have crossed paths with you out there Indeed yes it's great we'll make it happen. Yeah All right. Very good, Eli. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm. Good day. Okay, good to talk. Bye. Bye.